So hi, everybody. This is Jim Dethmer, and I'm here with my fellow co-founder and partner in crime, Diana Chapman. Hi, Diana. Hey, Jim. <laughs> and uh, we are on this call and on this podcast with one of our favorite beings on the planet, Mike Reardon. Hello, Mike. Hello, Jim. Hello, Diana. <laughs> <laughs> so we've known Mike for many years and uh, consider him to be one of the uh, great incarnators of the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. He really lives this stuff and leads a very, very powerful organization from the consciousness of uh, being present and being aware of when he's triggered and reactive. And he's been practicing for years and he's been leading a team that's been practicing for years. So I think we're all in for a real treat today to get to know Mike a little bit. So Mike, the way we like to do this is, would you start by just take a couple of moments and tell people kind of what you do and who you are so they can get oriented to your world just a little bit and understand a little bit about the, you know, how and where you're applying this stuff in the world. Good. So I'm, I'm the president and CEO of Greenville Health System, a little bit about GHS, as I call it. Uh, largest health system in South Carolina about a $2.2 billion organization, seven campuses, 15,000 uh, total employees. And of that, which is interesting, uh, we've got over 1,000 employed physicians. So in our area and in the southeast, it's probably one of the largest physician uh, groups uh, as well. So, And I've been here for 10 years, uh, which has, in fact, that anniversary was just uh, three days ago. So that has gone quickly. I've spent a lot of time in academic medicine. So before this, I was at the University of Chicago. Uh, for six years, five of those six years as the uh, the president and CEO of the, the health system uh, there. And before that, uh, I was in the Emory system uh, in Atlanta, part of Emory and Crawford Long Hospital uh, for about 15 years. So from a, from a background or a career standpoint, uh, over 30 years or so in healthcare with a strong emphasis on academics. Mm -hmm. Congratulations on 10 years, man. That's fantastic. I agree. Oh, yeah. Boy, does time fly. It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> so tell us, um, tell everybody kind of how you met the Conscious Leadership Group. Actually, when you met us, we weren't the Conscious Leadership Group. You predated the Conscious Leadership Group. But just talk a little bit about how you kind of got to this work and uh, kind of how you uh, made the transition to getting it into GHS and all that. Yeah, so I, I really came to this from a real genuine place of privilege. I was uh, in Chicago, and this is where Jim, you and I met, I was a member of YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And in that, there is embedded a concept or a practice, a forum. And within those forums, they take lots of different movements or angles, but some of these forums, which is typically 8 to 12 people, CEOs or presidents in various organizations in a geographic area, non-competitive, they bring in facilitators. And it was through that facilitation process and this work of a forum where we would meet monthly uh, and also have uh, yearly retreats where I got introduced to people like you, Jim. And, and if you remember, I think it might have been either Bob Sloan or Jim Warner that introduced us to you as well. So I came at it uh, through that organization in a, a personal uh, level and worked at, at a personal level for years, the whole time you knew me at Chicago. But it was when I came to Greenville had the idea, my goodness, if this is 
having an impact on me? Is there a way to introduce some of these concepts that I learned through forum to my executive leadership team? which then got, uh, Jim, you and I working more closely. Another associate of ours uh, from Chicago moved down, and we then started putting structure that then led to uh, more of an implementation or an exposure to the whole organization. Uh, that's great. And, you know, one of the questions that many people ask, and it's I'd just love you to comment on this, uh, people come to this work kind of from, in an oversimplification, kind of two orientations. Some people get involved in this work from pain. You know, something isn't working in their organization or in their personal life, and they're looking for uh, something to shift them out of a stuck position or pain. And then others come more from a vision. In other words, stuff's working fine, and they believe there's a greater possibility of what could be if they got an organization really aligned around living and leading consciously. And when you look at yourself, Mike, how does it feel to you? Maybe it's a combination of both, or maybe it's one or the other. Do you have a sense? Has it been more pain or vision that has driven you? Yes, I think it is. And there is sort of a a both there. Uh, Initially, I think when I would experience form, especially with facilitators, this is Chicago, it was really from a place of pain or, gosh, there is a real opportunity for self-improvement coming out of whether it's personal failures, uh, et cetera. I would say organizationally, though, for me, having seen uh, how it benefited me, it, it then came to a place organizationally as vision. So how can I uh, impact other leaders so that they uh, could be more in integrity with themselves. And one of the things I would always say, I want to be all of me everywhere. I want to not just be some person at home and then some person at work. I want to see how could I be more integral at work. And I felt that was more productive for me. Could I then create that um, opportunity for other leaders? Uh, so, So my thought was, Gosh, the, it was more of a vision-driven because then um, we can be a highly effective, highly productive organization if if we were individually more integral with ourselves. Mm, that's great. So, yeah, I remember, I remember when uh, I first came down to meet with you at GHS in Greenville, and the, and you gathered together. I think that maybe there were five or six of us in your boardroom for a dinner. And it was just kind of a, hey, let's talk about this and see if there's any possibility that this could be used and useful here. And I want to say that because, Mike, when I think about all the leaders we've touched and worked with and all the leaders we partner with, one of the things that I think you would have to offer to a lot of the people who are listening to this is how you grew into this over time. In other words, you started at GHS with just kind of planting a little seed. Yeah. And now it's been however many years you've been working with CLG and implementing the commitments there. Yeah. And you've done, a, in my assessment, a brilliant job of growing into this bit by bit by bit to where now it infects most of your leaders and most of the organization. Could you just talk about that a little bit, like how you've grown into this over time? Yeah, so I gosh, I do remember that dinner, and that dinner came on sort of the heels of me uh, individually for the maybe the first year or so down here, 
trying to just introduce some of the concepts uh, around personal responsibilities or the four ways of being in the world or what was talked about uh, authentic community. And, and I might have the timeline wrong because some of this was early on as we were thinking about it. And my sort of initial thought was just start small because I, I will tell you, I had uh, some real fear. You know, what, what happened? here's this guy, a former Marine, a CEO, and for me to say to me, gosh, I feel sad about this. I was worried initially with these people just look at him like some sort of nutcase. Uh, what is this guy <laughs> doing talking about emotions in a in a uh, strategic planning meeting where we're trying to, uh, to, to do something? So I really started introducing some of this um, – uh, just intentionally but small. Uh, and, and I realized I needed uh, a, sort of the black belt. I needed an expert. Uh, and, Jim, you were the, the last one we had worked with. You and I had, uh, at least I had a very positive experience with you. Uh, if you remember, we even did a little stuff with a forum group that we started here in South Carolina. And my thought was let's start introducing some of these skills to a smaller group. And then, and then, when Todd got here, Todd Tappert, uh, we started putting more structure around that. So I got a little braver. I said, all right, it seems to be working with this small group of 10 or 12. Let's introduce it to my to 60 to 70 directors. Uh, and then it became, well, let's start putting a little bit more structure around how we roll these uh, things out. And we almost developed sort of over time uh, a curriculum. Uh, so now, now yeah. we start talking about this at New Employee Orientation. Every leadership meeting that we have, and we have uh, 10 per year with these larger groups uh, of about 100 or so leaders, and then even a larger group with 900 managers, we intentionally sort of roll out one of the commitments that we're going to it, – it'll uh, be sort of spoken about this, what we're going to talk about, but it will infuse how we sort of talk about the different topics around the business. So we have just rolled out through our HR, through our new manager orientation, through other leadership development venues, the sort of the curriculum or how we're trying to expose people. And the other thing that uh, if it was such a good experience for me that we started looking at is do we create forums uh, within um, our you know, we have a large organization. We felt we could create forums, uh, their director levels, not in uh, not in direct reporting relationship with each other. Uh, we've got, I believe, four of those forums set up. They have facilitators that are trained. They're, all the things on safety, confidentiality are talked about. So that was just another way of gosh, you now have a group that will have a deeper experience. They'll know the vocabulary, and they can sort of impact it. And then, and then the last thing I'll say, Jim, just because we're still sort of waiting to see this, although we're seeing some early glimmers, um, you know, anecdotally, if someone, a manager would leave, uh, and I'd hear back and they'd say, I've just got to tell you how great some of the stuff around conscious leadership has been for me, for my, my marriage, for my home life, for me professionally. And I would really enjoy hearing that. And I would keep saying, I've got to figure out, or we've got to collectively figure out, how do we measure this? Because this is, there are a lot of resources that go into this. And we is, is there a way to measure it so that we could 
say to other organizations, there's a benefit to looking at this. So we're partnering with Clemson University uh, to come up with uh, some measurements on, on this, these cultural things, the forums, et cetera, to see are they making a difference uh, within the organization and compared to other organizations. <laughs> and, and what are you seeing experientially that you notice is shifting, if anything, as a result of this rollout through the organization? Yeah, so I, I sort of touched on one, so the experience I have, and, it, and it's, it's repetitive, and it's not just when leaders leave, but that was the example I, I left, where they have an appreciation for how we have created a culture or shown up uh, individually. But I, I have leaders that will talk about how uh, what we're doing has impacted them at home, uh, in their uh, community, uh, them personally and uh, professionally. So I, I've seen that. and and. When we uh, we do a lot of recruiting, and we recruit people from all around the country, and um, there have been, uh, for the last three, uh, the way we're uh, structured in, in academics, so we have areas of different departments, so medicine, surgery, orthopedics, et cetera, we, um, was we bring in candidates, and they start talking to us. The, the language or the, the approach is just so infused that when I when they finally get to me, they say, I, I don't know what it is, but there's something different here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's and, and it, there's an excitement around that uh, difference. It's not a quirky difference. It's like there is a uh, a safety or a culture or something that they intuitively are picking up on it. Now I've not had that experience um, in Chicago's a terrific experience in Emory, but I've not had that same experience uh, from others. Uh, so so those are just sort of a, a couple of things that I'm experiencing. And then within meetings, I'll say this as well, um, we have in our own way established a vocabulary uh, and a, a vocabulary that invites uh, awareness. So gosh, it's, it's, it's frequent that I'll hear somebody, gosh, I'm creating a story, mm-hmm. which automatically sort of brings them to owning that they're bringing something to it, that they're creating a story. Or or I'll hear, gosh, I am below the line right now. I am closed off. I just, I'm, I'm having to. Or you'll hear somebody in a meeting talk about an emotional state of where they are. Gosh, I feel um, a, a, an anxiety, a fear, or, or whatever. So we, we're developing sort of a vocabulary that is allowing people to sort of keep these practices uh, alive and, and going. That's great. Yeah, we we hear a lot from people how much the the value of shared language, so that everybody can understand where somebody is in their in their consciousness, yeah. so we can all rally around that and not get defensive. Yes. Yeah. The other thing, and Jim, you sort of introduced the concept uh, of enneagram. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, with us, and we have embraced that organizationally in a pretty big way. Uh, we have uh, uh, several people that have gone through pretty extensive training now. We have probably typed close to four or five hundred of our managers and leaders in the organization, uh, and that has been done another way uh, for to, to create a common vocabulary. Uh, 
around uh, this, uh, you know, so uh, how I may show up uh, as explained by any RAM type or something. But that is another sort of technique that we've used to create awareness uh, around who we are, how we're showing up. And, and you, you'll hear those conversations quite a bit uh, within uh, our hallways as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're such big fans of Enneagram, and you guys have uh, done such a nice job of of bringing that in deeply into your organization so that people can understand some of the specific defensive patterns that each Enneagram type has. And if everybody knows each other's type, it's much easier to catch those and realize, oh, of course you're going to do that behavior. That's That's common to your personality type, and I don't have to take that personally. Yes, and what's been key for us, and and Jim, I think you might have uh, introduced this phrase to me, but um, uh, how do we keep uh, any of this, any of these uh, uh, language things, whether it's Enneagram or or the different conversations around above and below the line or how I'm showing up, uh, from not just devolving into a parlor game, uh, or a way of justifying, well, you know, I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram style eight, and that's how we are. Uh, or, you know, I'm below the line. Or it's just, it's got to be a little bit deeper uh, than that. So, what we, I think, and Todd is uh, really expert at is making sure we keep it in front of people. So it's not like if uh, I remember I was in an organization we did Myers Briggs, um, and you did it once. And never again. We will bring up uh, Enneagram, um, the four ways, the 15 commitments, over and over again. And I really want to stress repetition and exposure so that it just doesn't devolve into a, a just a very surface parlor game type of, uh, of conversation. It, it has a, a depth and it gives people the ability and permission to dive deeper because leaders are talking about it almost at every meeting. Hmm. I have a question for you because you have, you've rolled this out in such a large organization. What feedback do you have to other leaders who are interested in creating a more conscious culture in their large organization? What what I often will say is uh, really start with um, yourself um, uh, and, and that sounds, I don't know how it sounds, but it, it sounds simple, but it's not. Uh, and, and then maybe it's just because it's the way we did it, but starting with myself, um, how how does it impact me? And then rolling it out in smaller, almost concentric type of, of circles. I, I, I imagine someone could figure out sort of the big bang of uh, conscious leadership. Uh, but for us, to be patient and, and incremental, I mean, uh, any cultural shift, and this really is a cultural shift, is a, uh, there's no instant pudding. I mean, it just, it really is a slow cooker. And you have to be willing also to put resources in it. I think you have to be willing to, or I had to be willing to be, to, to try to explain stuff and somebody asked me the tough questions and me to sort of embarrassingly not know, but to get curious and think about how I can answer it the, the next time. So to be willing uh, to stub a toe or to learn more or to give people permission to uh, to question and to learn more. So slow and steady, 
Yeah, my goodness. I've known you for 13, 14, 15 mm-hmm. years. Um, it took me four or five of those or maybe even six to, to extend it to a leadership group. It took another eight or nine to get to this phone call. <laughs> no. Oh, Mike, I have such joy in my face right now. Just uh, like memory after memory of being in rooms with you, with leaders. And um, I wish everybody who's listening to this could experience your authenticity and your vulnerability. You're in the midst of a, you know, a serious uh, discussion around st- strategy or something yeah. for the whole health system and for you to be willing to be honest and vulnerable and transparent. And you are an Enneagram type eight and they have lots of certainty and confidence and power, but you're willing to step into your vulnerability and say, you don't know. I mean, to me, you really are a poster child for the transformational power of self-awareness and stepping more and more into the truth of who we are and experiencing grace all the way along, you know, that that we can do this gently and playfully and with kindness. And so I just have such deep, deep gratitude for you and for what you're being in the world. So thank you. You know, that just reminds, you both have just reminded me too, and I'm trying to sort of bring it back. If I'm a a business leader, Jim, I, I think, at least as I've interpreted what you said to me, part of your interest in us is, yes, conscious leadership as as its own sort of discipline or an approach to life or a way of showing up in the world. But I think the thing that has attracted you to us is are the big ideas or the strategic stuff. So I really have looked at... Uh, so even if you go back to a model that uh, that you introduced and, and, and we've talked about sort of the six and through me to buy me, but from buy me to through me, this this notion of sort of allowing or mm-hmm. surrender to what's the big idea out there is really a strategic planning mechanism. And, and I think without us having had sort of the, the, a foundation of, of safety or the ability to talk to each other in an authentic way, it doesn't really open the pipe to, to what's the big idea that's seeking to emerge in through us, or whether it's individually or organizationally. And I believe, maybe Diana, from an earlier question, yes, the, the big payoff, well, there's payoff in perhaps employee engagement or satisfaction and other things, but the big payoff is tapping into a collective experience that allowed us to tap into a create big strategic and big ideas on um, where we saw there was a need, uh, uh, whether it was for medical education or for different things that we've done uh, that I believe has strategically propelled us in a great direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, thank you so much, Mike. And uh, again, just a a tremendous treat to know you and to be in the great game with you. So uh, big love and affection over here for you. And, you know, I was thinking sometime we need to have Todd on. Mike and Todd have worked side by side for years back to Chicago. And uh, Todd is the chief learning officer and really the boots on the ground guy. So we ought to yeah. do a podcast with Todd at some point, too, to um, talk about even more of the detail of how you guys are doing all this. That's, a, mm. I think, a fun thought. I would love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, I, I want to tell you, um, I feel 
uh, a bit teary and very tender-hearted in in deep appreciation for your courage. Um, it is a courageous thing uh, to bring this out uh, as a leader who's getting paid to be, as you said, highly strategic, and there's a lot of things on the line. And for you to role model this, be vulnerable, ask others, be an inspiration for others to get involved, and how much has changed with your willingness to experiment and toddle and be vulnerable is just, um, it's, it, I'm moved by your courage. Thank you, Diane. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, there you go, everybody. There's uh, Mike Reardon, and so grateful that uh, he gave us his time and, quite frankly, his wisdom and track record for having practiced for years and years and years. So hope you enjoy this podcast, and you can pass it along to others as well. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, all. Bye.